some word. Amen. Uh, I don't have a lot of other stuff to do except for preach the word this morning and uh, say it's good to have you here today. It's great to be in God's house. Amen. There's no other place I'd rather be than right here in God's house. And speaking of things, I, I mentioned sports. The title of my message today is called Not a Fan. I'm not a fan of being a fan of Jesus. I'm a fan of being completely committed, a follower of Jesus Christ. Amen? I mean, it's not enough just to be a fan. I want to be a follower. It's a big difference. There's a great book. This is actually based off a great book I've read called Not a Fan. <laughs> Interesting enough. But uh, I thought it really worked with the message today. Not a fan. If you have your Bibles, we're going to begin. Or you have your eye. How many have your Bibles or your eyeballs? All you need is one or the other, because if you have your Bibles, you can look, or your phone Bible, or your eyeballs will look up here as well. James chapter 1, we're going to be reading these first few verses. Let it sink in. Let it sink in. Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word. Bless the receiving of your word. Now, God, these next 30, 40 minutes, Lord, I pray that we would complete, just hear from you. Lord, that we would, we would, Take this word today as food for our soul, God, that we will grow from it, learn from it, and be used by it. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen. amen. And I got a shout from Leon said, amen. amen. There you go, brother. Good to have you here. James chapter 1, verse 2, 3, and 4. Dear brothers and sisters, that's all y'all, all of us, <laughs> when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it. An opportunity of great joy. Interesting. For you know that when your faith is tested, say this next one, your what? Endurance. When your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. That's a lot to think about. It's interesting. The New King James Version says, I think I actually put that up there. Yeah, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. I know. How many need a little more patience in this house? Amen. Been on, have, how many have been on I-75 lately? Or any road in the Detroit metro area? I should just put a bunch of orange cones up on the stage to make you feel comfortable. All right. Patience. Verse 4. So let it what? Let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, this is discipleship, this is spiritual growth, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. That's huge. When you give it a chance to grow, when you, when, you, when you say, I understand that this is a test, and I understand what's happening, it's building my endurance, it's building my resistance, let it grow. You know, I want to say this. I'm so thankful for committed people. How many like being around committed people? All the married people in the house should say amen. Aren't you glad you got a committed person in your life? Some of you know you can trust and has your back and you love we have some newlyweds in the house. I know we got some there, some there. Well, not quite newlyweds anymore, but you're getting a little time under your belts, but that's awesome. But all of us in this house, some of you have been married a long time. Commitment is a big deal. It's character. It's something that's, you, you grow up to it. You, you, you achieve something. You know, I, I like to say commitment is a big thing. It's a big thing in this world. We live in a world of a lot of non-committed things or non-committed people, I look at commitment as a big thing. It's a reflection of our growth process with the Lord. Can I get an amen? Commitment. Matter of fact, uh, as Christians, I believe that commitment is a game changer. It's, it's a game changer in our growth process. You know, committed to change, committed to grow, committed to excellence, committed to love, committed to all these things. And the, and the list goes on and on and on. And so like a good student of the Internet, I decided to Google the word committed, right? Come on. I used the, the keyboard, not the encyclopedia. How many, how many go to Wikipedia now as your main source of information? Oh, yes, all the honest people like me, amen. But I actually looked up last night. I said people who made a difference in humanity because they were completely committed to their areas of influence or cause. That is pretty much what I text posted or typed. And there was a lot of different um, surveys done. But the one that I found that I thought was the most accurate, it, it listed a whole bunch of people who were committed people. 
Now, on that list, you will find people who are committed to pe committed people that were sold out to a cause. We watched a documentary yesterday, Heather and myself, about Bill Gates. And something interesting about Bill Gates, he is right now totally committed to finding clean sewer, clean water and sewage solutions in Africa. He said that's his life goal is to give these. And we were looking at the conditions of these people in Africa. And me and Heather, I was watching this going like, we are so blessed in America. You don't realize they said the number, one of the number one killers in Africa amongst children is diarrhea. They can't get clean water. I mean, their own sewage is just everywhere. They're dumping their sewage into their streams where they get their water to cook and to clean and do all these. It's just amazing. Bill Gates is completely committed to it. He gave $200 million the last few years just to do research. And he said, I will give all my money if I have to to find a way to help these kids not die from diarrhea. Now, that's interesting to me. I, last time I checked, Bill Gates is not, you know, behind a pulpit. But how many know he, he, he's committed to a cause? And so as believers, how many think that we should even be more committed to the cause of Jesus Christ than, than someone who doesn't know Jesus Christ? And so you have to ask yourself, what am I committed to in my life? What cause? And so the list gave people like this. Let me just state quickly who they are. Abraham Lincoln. He was committed to the abolition of slavery. Uh, William Wilberforce, if you know church history or history at all, William Wilberforce, his name like says it all. He was a force. Uh, he fought tirelessly for ending slave trade. That's who William Wilberforce was. Uh, Marie Curie, um, she fought to find medical, uh, medical advances to help people and save lives. Uh, Martin Luther King, he was committed to equal rights, civil rights for all. These are people that we can identify with quickly, like, yeah, they were committed. Uh, Mozart, uh, he was committed to music and symphony. Uh, Sophie Scholl, if you've never heard of Sophie Scholl, she was one of the leading voices that was in opposition to Nazi Germany. She actually started one of the largest resistance to the Nazi German movement in Germany. Nelson Mandela, Winston Churchill. And I'm going through this list, and guess whose name is right at the top? Jesus Christ our Lord. How I many know oh, Jesus Christ was the most committed human being, son of God, fully, fully God, fully man, that ever walked the face of the earth? He was committed to the cause of humanity, of saving people. So this word commitment is a big deal. We can get that straight. It's not enough just to be a fan of Jesus or be a fan of something, but it's, it's a different level in our spiritual walk to be committed, fully committed. You know, uh, several years ago, I heard a story about a, a coach from Dartmouth University. It's not a very glamorous coaching position. He was the coach of the rowing team. Now, I have a niece that was in rowing for a while, and I went to a rowing event, and I stood there, and it lasted for me about four seconds. It's like, whoosh, there she goes. You know what I mean? <laughs> you don't get to see a lot. But the coach from Dartmouth University was telling a story to his players to inspire them. They were struggling in their commitment to win. And so he decided to tell them a story about the difference between making a contribution versus making a com being committed. And I, and I relate that to us as believers, that it's easy for us to make a contribution, but what Christ is looking for, he's looking for people who are fully committed. Amen? All in. And so he tells this story of, of a father and a son who sit down for breakfast one morning, and, and the son goes on to tell the dad, he's like, Dad, we've been learning in school about the difference between being committed to something versus making a contribution to something. And he said, Dad, I'm trying to, you know, I'm just trying to understand. I don't really understand the difference between contribution and commitment because they both seem important, maybe equally important. And the father thought about it for a few minutes and he said, son, look down at your plate. What do you see? And the boy said, I, I see some bacon and I see some eggs. He's like, yeah, that's exactly what I see too. And the father thought about it. He said, 
Here's what. The chicken made a contribution to your breakfast. How many know the pig made a full commitment to that boy's breakfast that day? He gave his life. And so, come on, somebody. We know that Jesus made a full commitment to us. He was willing to lay down his life. And we, too, ought to lay down our lives for one another, for people who who need to know that Jesus Christ loves them. I did not give my life to Jesus, and I don't think you did either, just to make a casual contribution once in a while. But I say, Lord, you can have my heart. You can have my life. You can have my everything. I, I love the word commitment. It's a big deal. You know, it's a simple metaphor, really, of commitment, that story about that coach. But in anything we do, there's the choice we have. You know, love is a choice. Commitment is a choice. Worship is even a choice. You, have a, you had a choice this morning of how much worship you were willing to give. You had a choice this morning what kind of offering, or maybe this week, what kind of offering you want. How many of we have always a choice? We have a choice of how we're going to treat our loved ones, our family, our friends, our spouses. We have a choice if we're going to be students of the Word. We have choices if we're going to educate ourselves. You know, I find it interesting that in the Old Testament, Moses was educated by the Pharaoh, and he was educated in, in what the Egyptians believed so that someday he would understand how they think, right? We have a choice of who we are in this life. We have a choice. So the choice is, do I commit partially or do I go all in? Do I walk the line or do I take the plunge and go all in? And let me ask you this question. If you were in a life and death situation, I, and I hope that doesn't happen anytime soon, but let, let's say you're in a life and death situation and let's say you're in the middle of the Sahara Desert and you needed to find water. I mean, if you're in the middle of the desert, you're not thinking about your fantasy football team. Come on, Pastor Pete. The Lord just preaching to me, right? How I many if you're in the middle of the Sahara Desert, you're not thinking if, you're, if your show is going to re-air this fall? What's, what are you thinking about? I need to find some water. Now, how many in this room are going to look for about five minutes for water? You're going to fully commit. I'm going to do whatever it takes to find even an ounce of water because if I don't find this water, I'm going to die. How many know sometimes in life you have no other choice? I believe as Christians we live in a generation where we have no other choice. If we do not stand up and say, I am fully committed to the cause of Jesus Christ, because people are dying all around the world, whether it's to, to, to disease or whether it's to, to other sins or things that take them away. We have an ep, uh, a, a drug situation in America that is getting way out of hand, uh, uh, opioids and things like that. Church, we are the last defense. Before Jesus Christ comes back, and he's coming back soon, and we have to ask ourselves, am I committed fully to this? Because when you are fully committed to something, how I many progress happens? Anybody in this, you've, you've read, you, you've fully committed to studying the Word of God. It's impossible to study the Word of God and not grow. You will grow spiritually. You will be challenged. You will be stretched things will begin to change. You know, the Bible says that you were saved by grace. Think about, man, that's commitment. You were saved by grace. You weren't saved because all of a sudden you were good enough. I mean, that's not a good gospel. You were saved because of grace, and God had favor on you. God loved you. Favor. You know, God is so committed to us that he will show us favor when we don't deserve favor. Have you ever been given, like, favor? It could have even been a $2 coffee at Tim Hortons. And, and, and it's amazing how even something like a $2 coffee, it's a, it all of a sudden changes your day. Have you ever been shown favor from someone, even something small? And you're like, man, that just totally changed my day. I, I, I believe in humanity again. I, I remember years ago when, uh, when one long time ago when we lived in Pennsylvania, our car broke down as it did many times, right? Youth pastor life. It's the, high, it's the good life. And, and, 
and, and my brakes went out. And we lived on a hill like this. I mean, no kidding. Like, my brakes went out all the time. And I remember one time we had, a, we had a mechanic in our church. His kids were in my youth group. His name was Jim Pert Nacy, and he had a, a shop in town called Nacy's. <laughs> and thought, thought long and hard about that name, I'm sure. And so we took our car to Jim's shop to get the brakes changed, and, and his shop was right on the main street right there called uh, Main Street, Pittsburgh Street, right there. <laughs> And we took our car down to gym. I left it there, you know, and I was like, oh, how much is it going to cost me? It was like 300 bucks. He told me beforehand. I said, okay, all right, we'll, we'll figure this out. Lord, I just pray that you'll show us favor, you know, God. You'll make a way. Next day I went down. He said, your car's done. Pastor, come on down and get your car. I'm like, awesome. I took my checkbook or whatever it was, and I went down to see Jim, and this happened. I remember this very clearly. I went up to pick my car, and I brought out my checkbook. He goes, no, Pastor, put your checkbook away. I'm like, say what? You can't fix it? You know, my first thought is like, what, you can't fix it? My car's you know, like, trashed? You know? He's like, no, no, no. Um, somebody from the church was driving by, and they saw your your purple minivan, we had like a Barney van, I think my kids called it the Barney van, your purple minivan that had like our, our, our door on the side was so rusted out, you could like see through a little bit in the van kind of thing. Come on, so everybody been there before? And so, but somebody saw your van out front and they came in and they asked about it and they paid for it. I, I, I was like, favor finds the faithful. I mean, come on, somebody say favor finds the faithful. Now, I didn't do anything to deserve that, but my God is able to do things that we don't deserve. Amen? Grace is something that we don't deserve. I want to be committed to God because favor will find the faithful. Favor. However, favor cannot be a substitute for irresponsibility or responsibility. We can't walk through life just saying, okay, God, I'm just waiting on you to drop everything in my lap. No, we have, to, we have to be faithful, and from faithfulness, commitment is birthed. Amen? I appreciate when I find something done in the house of the Lord. I, I came home from, uh, where was I at? I've been all over the place. I think it was my trip to Colorado a couple weeks ago. And, and I came back, and my, one of my first things I saw, I was like, somebody trimmed all the trees at the church. I've been, I've been wanting to do that all summer. But I just, like, I can't get to it. And I, I came home, and I was like, somebody cleaned up all them trees for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And to me, that shows a level of faithfulness. Someone was committed to the cause of helping this house be all that God wants it to be. Amen? And so I said, I love faithful people. That means I love you because you're faithful. And I know we're all on our own journey of being faithful. And as I look through the Bible and I, and I think about this whole concept of not just being a fan of God, but literally being a follower of something, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. I mean, I believe that's what that's that's the identity that makes a church from being a status quo church or a church that's just kind of plateaued to going to be a a church that's on the move, a, a church that's growing, a church that's prospering, a church that's changing a city or a culture is a church that says we are not satisfied with just being status quo. We are committed to the cause of Jesus Christ. We are committed to our neighbors and our friends and this movement. Amen? Because 90% of churches in America are either plateaued or in decline. You know, last week I gave you all kinds of stats. One of my sermon was on Gen Z and Alpha Generation. And I gave you all kinds of numbers about how 64% of Gen Zs leave the church at 18 years old. And then most of those Gen Zs come back to a church that is a church with a cause. And a church that has momentum. Lord God, I pray that blessing over our house right now in Jesus' name, amen, that this is a place where they will come home and that this will become a place where, Lord God, that there will be a cause and a movement and people will be committed and followers. God, we're not just fans. God, we're not just fans. God, we are followers of the Most High. Because how many know a fan will leave a team if they're not doing good? But I know I got some followers in this house and your team might not be doing good, but you still said, next year, we got this. 
They might need to make some changes, but I'm not going to leave my team just because they have a bad year. I'm not going to leave Jesus because I had a bad day. I'm not going to leave my, my, my relationship with Christ just because I'm not succeeding this week or next week. I am a follower. I am committed to Jesus. See, fans leave the house. Fans kind of come in and out and come in and out. But followers are committed to Jesus. And you can be in the middle of Africa. You can be right here in Clarkson. You can be in Detroit. You can be in anywhere in the, in the world and say, I am committed to God. No matter where you have placed me, I am committed. Amen? Hallelujah. So I, I, I love to study different characters in the Bible. The Bible is full of characters. Can we all agree with that? Characters. And, and I love it because when you look through the Bible, you'll see that favor was on the lives of faithful and committed. You know, Noah, the Bible says Noah was faithful and found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Moses was faithful and found favor. David was faithful. You, you, you see a pattern here and found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Joseph, man, Joseph, he had some, some things happen in his life, didn't he? He could have a, quite an autobiography. Man, I'd like to have the book rights to his life. <laughs> he was in a pit. Uh, he was in prison. He was accused of, of, of rape, basically. He was in Potiphar's house. But the Bible says that he was faithful despite all those things. And he found favor in the eyes of the Lord. His own family betrayed him and sold him into slavery, yet he remained faithful to God. And how many know a lot of people would have given up on day one, but he stuck with God until the very end. Church, I'm praying today that no matter what we go through in life, that we become people who stick with Jesus no matter what. It ain't going to change how I worship. It ain't going to change how I praise. It's not going to change the way I talk. It's not going to change the way I act because I am committed to the cross and to Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And how many know if you are committed to Jesus Christ, you begin to see that commitment trickle down to your marriage, to your studies, to your job. I find that there's usually a relationship between people who are committed in things, and you can look up and you see at the very top that they are committed to Jesus Christ first. Amen? I find that in the house of God. Committed. It's a big deal. One of the stories that I love the very, I love so much in the Bible is the story of Ruth. I don't know what it is. I just love the comeback story in her life, and it's amazing. And I love how Boaz, Boaz was the man. <laughs> and what Boaz saw in her, the Bible doesn't say like, Boaz saw her and saw it, she is hot. Or, or Boaz gave her measurements. <laughs> Boaz talked about her style and her clothes. Now, what did Boaz say that he noticed in her first? Faithfulness. Uh, matter of fact, Boaz said, he said, it has been reported to me, your faithfulness. He said, I didn't come to see anybody else. I came to see you. I want the report of the Lord, amen, to be God says, it came to me. You are faithful in this thing. And even when no one else saw, he said, it's been reported to me, Ruth, that even though you're in the back of the line, even though you came here and you're working long hours, it's been reported to me that you work tirelessly. It's been reported to me that you don't complain. It's been reported to me that you are supporting and encouraging the other people in the line ahead of you. He said, it's been reported to me that you are faithful and therefore you will find favor with me. How many know with God that God is just asking us to be faithful and committed and obedient? Amen. And it's not enough to be a fan in this day and hour that we're living in. It's, 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 it's a word that we don't ever want to use. It's fair weather fan. Does anybody in this house know a fair weather fan? I mean, they'll turn on their team like that. 
Like, I'm never, listen, I'm never watching them again. I can't stand them. And I'm like, wow, last week you were talking about them being like the greatest team ever in the world. Now they lost one game. And in the same attitude, it's like just because we don't get every prayer answered when we want it answered, sometimes it's easy for us to say, well, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to, giving didn't work. It doesn't work like that, church. We give because he gave us everything. We worship because it connects us to the Father, amen? It's, it's faithfulness, faithfulness. All right, is this sinking in? Can I get, go a little bit more? Just a little bit more. Give an, let me give you an illustration. Maybe this will help. Uh, let's just say you take your friend's car. You, you, you borrow somebody's car. Or they loan you their car. I call that they give you favor. Amen? They loan you a car. Now, what happens if you, they loan you their car and they loan it to you and the gas tank is full and the car is clean? You return that car a week later, hand them the keys, and they get in the car, and they find that the gas tank is now empty and the car is dirty. How many know that is not being very faithful to something that you've been given? Actually, that's really bad. You come, we should all leave things better than we found it. Amen? And I feel that way very strongly in life because when somebody gives you favor, we need to be faithful in a thing. God has given us a measure of favor. Amen? And therefore, because he's given us this measure of favor, favor, I do not want to take that favor and kind of live my life recklessly and without commitment because he's given us everything. It, let me see. Faithful means this. Continuing to be committed when no one else is looking and no one is even being appreciated. That's, that's, that's a whole nother level. That's, that's when I don't have to get the recognition, when no one is looking, I'm still going to do because I'm doing it for the Lord. As unto the Lord. Amen? It's a big deal. It's easy to do things when everybody is looking and you get applause and you put it on social media and da-da-da. And how many know that's all good? But it's a whole nother thing when no one else is looking and you still do that thing that God asked you to do. You might find that person who needs an encouraging word at the store. We might never put it in the bulletin, but guess what? God puts it in, in his memory banks. Well done, my good and what? Faithful servant. Wow. I'm encouraged by Noah. Noah preached the same sermon for 100 years. And his church grew to eight. Now, if we put that in... Modern church statistics and Barna and Pew Research, that would be considered a failure. You only grew to eight. You had all those people listening and watching you build this ark. And how many know Noah had to preach the same sermon? The title of his sermon was, It's Gonna Rain. Hundred years. Today's message, church, is it's gonna rain. Well, Pastor Noah, we don't see anything called rain. What is this rain you talk of? But he was a committed man. Basically committed to a fault, I guess you could say, because he was like, I'm doing this whether you're with me or not. Those doors will shut. And I, and I think about that. What a, what a, what a Maybe a frustrating thing it was for him at times, but he knew no matter how frustrated I am, I am completely committed and a follower of God Jehovah. Committed. Because God cannot trust people who are irresponsible with favor he's given them. He will trust and use people, you might not have the skill set, you might not be the best speaker, you might have your own faults and weaknesses, but if you say, God, I am committed to you in spite of my weaknesses, God says, wait and see what I'm going to do in your life. He's going to send you places. He's going to use your life. He's going to send you on mission trips. Julie, great to have you here. Before I go any further, she got home from Uganda recently. God, he's in her. Amen. Putting you and me and Heather watching a documentary about Africa yesterday, you're probably like, I know exactly. I've, I've seen the slums. I've been there. And 
God will use people who just say, God, I'm committed to you. One of the most tragic but yet triumphant stories in the Bible has to be Stephen, right? You think about Stephen. Uh, Acts chapter 7, you find this, this young preacher. The Bible doesn't give us a lot of sermons, but there had to be a lot of sermons preached, especially in the early church. I would love to have a manuscript of some of those early sermons, right? We have one of them. Basically, Stephen is preaching mostly to the Sanhedrin who are accusing him of, of, of a lot of false things. His first sermon is his last sermon. <laughs> so his first sermon had to be his best sermon. Can you think about that if you knew this is my one and only chance? And Stephen, who became known as the first martyr of the church, he, he preached this sermon in Acts chapter 7. And I just want to read a few of these verses so you can grasp the, the commitment that this young man had. And, and he begins to talk about people in the Old Testament, Abraham, Jacob, Joshua, and then Jesus. And, and then he goes on after they've been accusing him, and he says something that's very strong, very strong. Uh, verse 51 in Acts chapter 7, he says, you stiff-necked people, ouch. Your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. But then in verse 55, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, come on, that's where our commitment comes from, amen? The Holy Spirit pushes us, moves us, lives in us, looked up to heaven, saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Favor. And he said, look, he said, I see, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears. How I many know? There will be people in this world that no matter what we say, they will still, I don't want to hear this. And that's called conviction of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean they don't like you always. It, doesn't mean, it means, guess what? They know better. Because every person in this world was born with something on the inside that says there must be more. But we have to be committed to the cause that we don't stop. Stephen didn't stop. Even though they covered their ears, even though they were yelling at the top of their voices, and they all rushed him. Dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Probably, in my imagination, is one of the worst ways to die. Unimaginable. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats on the feet of a young man named Saul. Do you think that sermon was important? If he wasn't fully committed to the cause that day, you think there's a chance he might have been like, oh, oh I, I don't know, I don't really know, this, you know, this isn't really for me. But there was somebody there that day named who? Saul. Saul becomes Paul. Paul has written two-thirds of our New Testament as Paul's letters and his writings and changed the course of history for Jesus Christ. All because of one person who said, I am committed to this thing, and his name was Stephen. You might never have a church of 5,000. You might never have a million followers on Facebook or Instagram. But if you have a committed life to Jesus Christ, you can change a whole generation by changing the life of one person. <laughs> committed people do amazing things. Amazing. Churches that are committed do amazing things. If we say we're committed to the missionary church, let's go all in and be committed to that missionary. Amen? Let's not just say, well, we'll just throw a few bucks at him. No, God, I want to be committed to this. If I'm committed to evangelism or committed to our children's ministry, let's be all in committed. Amen? Worship, let's be all committed to worship. All in. I need to finish. So meanwhile, the witnesses laid the coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. When they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, and he begins to worship. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. He's echoing what Jesus said on the cross. And when he said this, he fell asleep. Now, that's almost impossible to think about, falling asleep. It didn't say he was knocked out. It didn't say he got a concussion. It says he fell asleep. So the Lord laid him asleep. And even when the enemy comes and tries to destroy your dream, your vision to, to stop you, how I many know the Lord will put you in a place of peace? 
And I don't know, maybe there's somebody here this morning, your, your soul's restless. You've aligned yourself with so many things and so many people in this life. You almost forget your own identity. It's time to say, God, I commit to you right now first. I align myself. See, alignment determines your assignment. And we all have an assignment for Jesus in this world. But if you align yourself with the wrong things and the wrong people in the wrong places, you'll find yourself drifting far away. I want to be aligned with the one who gives me my assignment. Amen? Fully committed. And I'm going to end in five minutes. I'm going to give you four points quickly. Read some scripture. Give you four points if you're taking notes. You'll want to write these down. First Kings 18, we find Elijah. At, right now, once again, he's at odds with Ahab, who's the husband, the king of, of Jezebel. And, and we find this happening a lot, and it's kind of the showdown happening again. In 1 Kings 18, just five verses, King Ahab, I mean, uh, Elijah said to Ahab, he said, I want you to go get something and eat and drink before I hear a, a, what, a mighty rainstorm coming. There's a mighty storm coming. It's, it's coming. Jesus is coming. So Ahab went, and he did it. He went and ate, and he drank. But Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground, and he prayed with his face between his knees. Apparently, he was very bendable. <laughs> Some of us would be like, Lord, this is all I got. <laughs> Can I get an honest person? Amen. Come on, Lord. That's right. It's, it's, it's the heart. It's the heart. Then he said to his servant, He's praying. He's, he, he's, he's fully committed. He, he's committed in everything he's done to this point. And, and so he goes to the servant. He says, I want you to look out to the sea. Look out. And, and we've been there. It's, it's a ways. So this happened. It wasn't like, you know, you're standing right at the bank. And the servant went and looked, and then he returned to Elijah, and he said, I don't see anything. And Elijah said, well, I mean, I don't see anything. Seven times Elijah told him to go and look, rising from the sea. I'm sorry, I skipped. He told him to go look. Finally, verse 44, finally the seventh time the servant told him, I, I, I see a little cloud the size of a man's hand, just little. And, and I see a cloud the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. And Elijah shouted. Church, how many know he saw it? The sign. I believe that all of us in this room have those moments in life when we know the Holy Spirit is showing us something. And, and, and how do we respond to that? Are we committed to the voice that we're hearing? He, he, he shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him. Climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, now, come on. Ahab is probably, they've been at odds, right? But this is interesting. And he says, go back home. The rain will stop you. If you don't, the rain will stop you. And soon the sky was black with clouds. A heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm. And Ahab quickly, and Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. Have you ever been, you know, in the summer, something, you can have a, like a beautiful, sunny, nice day. And quickly, you ever been in those days and like, wow, where did that come from? A storm. And I believe that will happen in our lives that you're, you're just going along life. And before you know it, you're like, why did this happen? You know, I've talked to people. I've, I've talked to people who've been married for 20 years in committed relationship. And then one of them will make a mistake and, 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 and say, for 20 years I was committed, but then something happened and I, I made a terrible decision. And, and now I've put jeopardy all over this relationship. And see, because how many of we, we can't lose track, we can't lose sight of what we're here for. I, don't, I can't just say, well, I've been committed for a We have to be on our game every single day. We have to every single day say, God created me a clean heart. God, guard my heart. Guard my eyes. Guard my mind. Being fully committed. And I want to give you four quick lessons that we can learn from this story. Very quick. Four quick lessons from that story. Number one is listen for the rainstorm. 
Verse 41 said, for I hear a mighty rainstorms, rainstorm coming. We need to tune our hearts to the frequency of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to believe that this church, that when we come into this house, that all of us, if you're a believer, then you should be saying, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Your conversation every day, you should say, Holy Spirit, do you want me to do this? Do you want me to say this? Do you want me to post this? Do you want me to be this? Amen. Come on, somebody. We need to ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? I need to hear it. I need to be a listener. You know, my wife is really good at hearing things I don't always hear. Anybody married to somebody like that or know somebody like Maybe your parents, your kids. She's always like, did you hear that? I'm like, hear what? I heard the TV. She's like, no, 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 no. I hear something. And I'm always like, no, nah, no, nah, you're just hearing something. And she'll hear things. She'll hear stuff. <laughs> so true. <laughs> but, you know, it's very beneficial. Because one time years ago when we were in Iowa visiting some pastor friends, Charles, Pastor Charles and Deanna, and, and we were playing a game with Charles and Deanna. I don't remember what it was, like phase 10 or something like that. Hearts. What and she also has a great memory. <laughs> and uh, we were playing hearts. We were laughing and having a good time, right? And all of a sudden, Heather's like, everyone be quiet. I hear something. And I'm like, I don't hear anything. Shh, I hear something. I hear Darby crying. How many of all the moms in the house, there's that, there's that motherly signal, like the antennas, doot, 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 kid crying, doot, 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 dirty diaper, right? husband. <laughs> all right, so she's, I hear something. And what happened was they had these old wooden steps, and lo and behold, on the other side of the house, little Darby, I don't know how old she was, two or three or something like that. Two, three, I got it right. Two other, well, I said two or three. That gives me some room. And she fell down the stairs. And they had this big old dog that was down there and, like, right on top of her. It was just not a good thing. But if it would have been me, I would have kept playing phase 10. Hearts. Thank you, church. I would have kept playing hearts. Because I, I wasn't listening well. Or my hearing, my hearing wasn't as good as hers. We, we need to be listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying. And if you struggle in that area, come on, align yourself with some godly men and women who can listen for you and with you. You might say, I'm not as strong in that area. So align yourself with people who say, maybe that's not such a good thing. Maybe this is a place to go. Maybe, amen? Number two, listen for the rainstorm, number one. Number two, look to the sea. Elijah, verse 43, Elijah said to his servant, Go out and look towards the sea. When you hear something, it's good to know what direction to go in. Amen? And God will give us direction. Holy Spirit speaks, go in that direction. Why? Because he wants us to avoid pitfalls. It's not enough just to hear, but we also have to go and do something. Number three is be tenacious. Come on, somebody say that. Be I want to be tenacious in my worship. I want to be tenacious in my, in, my, in my word study. I want to be tenacious in who I am as a believer. Amen? I don't want to just be a fan, but I want to be a tenacious follower. Seven times he went and looked. I would have said after the second time, like, I'm done. I hit my steps goal. I'm good. Seven times. You know, because there are many times that we settle way too easily. Amen? We, we settle. We might even say, like, this is the best I can do. No, no, no. God has more for every person in this room than you believe you can do. Amen? I refuse to settle. I declare in the name of the Lord that we are going to see a mighty move of God. I declare that there will be soul-saved people one to Jesus Christ. I said the year ago, Lord, I want to, I want to, I said, Lord, I, I need to lead some people to Jesus. I'm, I literally was like, Lord, I'm, I'm starving right now spiritually because I'm not leading enough people to the Lord. I need to see people bringing people so we can lead people to Christ. You bring them, I promise I'll do my best to get them to the next level. 
I said, God, I need to lead more people to Jesus Christ. He opened up a door for Pakistan. I never thought that would happen. How many of we just be tenacious in something? If we're faithful, God will give us favor. Committed to it. Being tenacious. The last one, if I could have the worship team join me. Number four. Very important. Recognize small beginnings. Recognize small beginnings. He saw a cloud the size of a man's hand. And it's easy sometimes just to look for something that's big and bold and that, that really clear sign. But maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you in that still small voice today. Maybe in the midst of everything going on in our lives, there's that, that voice that you hear in the background saying, it's going to be okay. I'll make a way. And it's being able to recognize that voice and recognize small beginnings. Can I, I want, let me propose something to you. Could it be possible, I'm not saying it happened, but could it be possible that the other six, six times that he looked, there, there might have been a cloud there. Maybe the cloud was there, but the servant was looking for a massive storm. Maybe it was there all along. Would you stand with me? But this is all the confirmation that Elijah needed, right? He didn't, he's just like, just anything. I just, it could be anything. Just, I need a confirmation. It reminds me of Andrew. Andrew, one of the disciples, if you remember in John chapter 6. Andrew was not outspoken like Peter. He wasn't brash. There's not as much written about Andrew. But what we do know about Andrew, he was responsible for finding the boy with the five loaves and the two fish. Now, I believe you talk about having a level of faith. He's like, we need to feed these people. Andrew's like, I got somebody. Now, if it had been me, I'd been like, I didn't find the buffet truck. <laughs> Andrew's like, I got, I got somebody. He, he introduces, there's this young boy who's got this lunch. Andrew kind of is an example of the man who saw the, the cloud the size of a man's hand. He's, it's a small beginning. That, that lunch was a small beginning, but how many know Jesus already saw it as a fulfillment to a need? And you might think, I, I don't have much to give. I'm not as talented as some of these folks. Or I, I, I don't, listen, don't despise small things. You might say, I don't really read the Bible, and I, I don't know. But listen, if you just begin to read maybe for 10 minutes a day, I'm, I'm talking start basic beginner's level, but don't despise that. It will change your life. Small beginnings, amen. Small beginnings turn into great things. Small beginnings become huge things. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. The young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is this with a huge crowd? Basically he's saying, could you use this small thing? You might not even, you might even question that. God, can you use this? Could this be enough? Yeah, it could. I want to pray over you this morning. I'm going to ask that you just bow your heads and close your eyes. And I pray as we enter into a new season, we are, we are starting a new season. I, I think that's reflective of some of your, all of our lives, that there are seasons. Maybe right now you're, you're, you, you're walking out of a season and you're saying, I'm walking into a new season. Aren't you thankful we serve a God that gives us second, third, fourth, fifth, and on and on chances? And he brings new seasons. He brings new things. And you say, God, today... I want to fully commit in this new season and, and it, 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 committing to Jesus Christ first and foremost, fully. Committing to that relationship. Committing to, to your, your business. Committing to your job. Committing to your family. Maybe you've kind of made that less of a priority. 
If you are here today and you say, I'm ready to make some new commitments, some new changes. I, I want to ask you to say this prayer with me, but you're not saying it to me. We're saying it to the Lord today. We're making a declaration and, and we're speaking something over our lives and we're aligning ourselves with God this morning and saying, here on out. As you commit to things, other things will get pushed out. If you want to pray this prayer, repeat this after me. Dear Lord, I am entering into a new season. I am leaving my present conditions. And I am living in and moving into a new season. I believe that God, you have prepared for me a season of favor. I commit to be faithful to you even in the small things faithful at my job faithful in my relationships and faithful to Christ Father I promise to not just be a fan but I am a, a, a completely committed follower of Jesus Christ Amen Father, now I pray over those words that were spoken from our lips, that those words will take hold. Father, that we will not be confused or have any voices that are not of you trying to tell us that nothing's changed, that we can't move forward. But God, yes, we can move forward. God, that we can every day commit ourselves to growing more. That, that produces patience. It produces endurance. It produces a life of purpose. So we align ourselves today once again in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, I'm going to let you go. I want to close with this verse. I'm going to read it on the screen. I want to pray this, say this verse over you. I love it. It's from the message, Just Think. You don't need a thing. You've got it all. All God's gifts are right in front of you as you wait expectantly for our master Jesus to arrive on the scene for the finale. And not only that, but God himself is right alongside to keep you steady and on track until things are all wrapped up by Jesus. God who got you started in the spiritual adventure shares with us the life of his son and our master Jesus. He will never give up on you. Never forget that. Amen. He is fully committed to you. Let's be fully committed to him.